The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Verdon, Manitoba with a big time tornado here. Just crossed the road. Hit a farm. We're going to go back to the farm to make sure they're okay. As soon as it crosses here, it gets clear of the house. Major tornado here. South of Verdon, Manitoba. Time is 6, 8.07 p.m. Central Time. Wow. Incredible tornado. Oh my gosh. Verdon, Manitoba. Stay alert downstream to the northwest. It's moving to the northwest. Northeast, I'm sorry. It's moving to the northeast towards the Trans Canada. Chasing from my radar, Storm Chaser Aaron G. Jack. That is the voice of our next guest, and it was like something out of a movie. Just absolutely incredible video of a tornado that touched down near Verdon, Manitoba on Friday night. I first saw it on Twitter shortly after it was posted, and then I was glued to the Twitter account to to find out uh, what happened afterwards, and uh, then my heart heart broke um, in, in the news that followed. At first, I mean, when you looked at this video it didn't even look like it was real it looked like a tornado produced by a computer something that you'd see in a movie but the tornado was very much real and unfortunately it turned deadly two teens were thrown from a vehicle another man suffered injuries as well a farm was heavily damaged so our next guest is uh, my radar weather storm chaser based in manitoba it was his video that more than 435,000 people have watched so far and it was he and his partners who ran to help those caught in the twister's deadly path Aaron J Jack welcome to 6:30 Ched Hey thanks a lot how are you I'm 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 good how are you take us back to Friday night you had been chasing the storm uh, the the resulting tornado can you give us an idea of what you know the the the, the, the minutes that led up to that unbelievable video yeah, so my fiance and I are both storm chasers, and we were out on Friday. Uh, you know, there was expectation that there would be severe weather. Severe thunderstorm watches had gone out earlier in the day by ECCC. And so we had uh, made our way from, we live in Boisevane, and we moved uh, moved out to the west there to, to wait for storms to fire. And sure enough, we were, we're watching radar, and we see a first cell that started the form to well to the west of Verdon. And it's moving to the southeast. So we made our way in a, to a position where we'd be able to intercept that storm. Now, as that storm was going along, there was multiple other storms started firing on what's called a boundary that these storms can sometimes uh, cause the lift for these storms to fire. And so we saw these new cells firing along on this boundary. And these are, as they approached the Verdant area, we could see that there likely was going to be a, a very strong supercell at least, possibly a tornadic supercell to evolve out of this. So we were actually in that position. We were right by the farm there, maybe 100, 200 yards north of the farm, probably about 20 minutes before that tornado ever produced and came through that farm area. And so we, uh, you know, we watched the formation, the storm start to rotate, and we had to move a little bit south of that farm so that we wouldn't get hit by the tornado itself. And then, as you know, for the next 10 to 15 minutes there, we watched the storm go from just to look like a debris cloud that looked like a smoke rising off the ground to a fully condensed, you know, monster tornado that crossed the road there, pulling the, the granary, the, the grain silos from the farm and shredding them up and wrapping those around and ejecting it out into the field to the east there. Power poles coming down, hydro poles coming down, power flashes. 
I mean, it was, uh, like you said, it was, even watching the video on Twitter, it looked like a movie. Well, being a person, it's not like it was, you're, we were watching a movie and watching a movie. <laughs> I mean, when you look back and, and you sit down and you've probably looked at that video over and over and over again, it doesn't even look real. I mean, it, and, and you described it really, really well. Um, I think it was on Twitter and you said, you know, it was, at, at one point, it's beautiful and mesmerizing because just, it was just so such clear video and then you you know it turned into this monster and it turned very ugly and we saw kind of all sides of mother nature and you certainly saw it up close and personal um when you were videotaping that you know with a tornado in the back i'm like your your mind just must have been going a a thousand miles a minute yeah, I mean, it's definitely, that's, I mean, I've, I've been in those situations with tornadoes on the ground quite a few times and filming them. And so I've gotten to the point to where I, I can handle myself pretty well in that situation. And in fact, just my personality and the way I am, I kind of thrive in that, that mm. intense situation where there's so much to do and so much happening. And, you know, you need a, someone that's to take hold of leadership there to provide some direction or help. And, you know, I think someone's got to own that event and i i want to be that guy that's out there that's gonna you know after the tornado passes if anything bad happens i want to try and help and and organize things and and i mean yeah it was it was a it was a, a surreal experience you know usually you get these big tornadoes and are not clearly visible all the way around from all directions and this tornado was you know what made it so rare and unique is that it was a very large damaging tornado that was also at times very photogenic and had very yeah. you, know, you could see it from all directions and you know they sometimes they people will refer to tornadoes as the quote unquote finger of god and i mean i've never mm. seen a truer example of finger of god descend from the from the sky like that and touch the earth so i thought it would have been more stormy more wind around you in that video you talked about this eerie calm um is that normal um for i guess normal is you know not what the proper word would be when it comes to tornadoes but with what we were seeing in that in that video aaron i mean it just seemed you know seemed calm around you with this huge tornado in behind it just seemed really polar opposites yeah, so I mean, so it's, so yeah, so generally when you're on a large tornado like that, yes, it is going to be quite windy because you've got the inflow winds flowing into the storm and they're running right along the surface. And this seemed to be a different event, like the way that the, the meteorology came together. It didn't seem like the the surface winds weren't at the surface; they were a little bit higher elevation. Because mm-hmm. when you watch some of my video, you can actually see the tops of trees being snapped in half. But below, wow. at the lower levels, the trees aren't really being any damage at all to them. But the tops of them being snapped off, the hydropoles being snapped off towards the top. So those stronger winds are a little bit elevated off the surface. But also, what you don't see in some of the video, I we shot some video. I shot 360 video. It's on my YouTube channel, and you'll you'll see it there. Is we had uh, what's called the RFD. It's the rear flank downdraft that will wrap around on storms, and that's a, a large uh, a function of a, a feature of the storm that helps produce that tornado. And there was a point where we had real strong RFD come wrapping around, and uh, it was real strong winds at that point blowing debris. And But really, uh, something interesting to note, just before that, there was eerie calm, and we had grasses and leaves that were debris getting ejected from the tornado raining down on us. And then this real strong RFD wrapped around, and we adjusted a little bit to the south at that point, because at that point it looked like the tornado could still possibly hit us. And when we made that adjustment a little bit to the south, 
I got out of those RFD winds, and the RFD winds kind of moved to the east and then wrapped back around to the storm. So we were in this back area, this pocket of the storm. It was real calm. So all the intense mm. winds were much up closer to the tornado. And from our perspective, you know, it looks like we were really, really close. But uh, I was probably about 600 to 700 meters from that tornado when I'm standing in the field and shooting the video that you all opened with. Storm chaser Aaron Jajak joining us this afternoon. You said earlier in our conversation that if um, things are going to go bad, you want to be there and be there to, to help people. And things did go um, bad on, on Friday night. You you saw that tornado hit that farm. You started running. Tell us, uh, tell us uh, what happened next. Yeah, so after the after the video that you all see, and you, you hear me mention in the video that the farm was hit. So at this point, we don't know what's happened, if anyone's been hit. You know, from my perspective, our perspective where we filmed it, it looked like it just had damaged trees and those grain silos. So we immediately, uh, as soon as it looked like the trail was clear of the road enough, and, uh, you know, the power poles were going down, so I, sometimes it takes some time for that power to shut down, so we don't want to get electrocuted or anything like that. But we moved in within, I would say, three minutes of the tornado going through the four, three or four minutes uh, within the time that the tornado went through the farm where we were up there on the road. And the first thing we noticed is there was a red Grand Cherokee that was upside down on the left side of the road if you're looking north, and then a debris field in the field to our east, including the, the, the white truck that sadly the two teams were driving. And then, uh, so we went to the red Jeep first because it was right there. And I yelled out, and sure enough, I heard the gentleman that was in that red Jeep. He answered out that he was trapped in there. So my fiance immediately called 911. And then uh, some people showed up at that point. Some other people showed up to come help. And when they showed up, some of them came to the red Jeep. But when they came to the red Jeep to keep that guy talking, or to keep talking to that guy, to keep him calm, I ran up to the farmhouse. And at the farmhouse, uh, the farmhouse was actually fine. I was quite surprised to find that the farmhouse wasn't damaged at all, maybe. Maybe a little bit of damage. But all the trees, you know, it was mostly, it looked like the trail had grazed the farmhouse. And so it was a lot of the inflow winds that were sucking in the grain silos and then, and then actually mangling them inside the tornado vortex, which was just a little off-centered from the middle of the farm, so sparing the house. And so I checked the farm. It uh, didn't look like anyone was there, and right as I uh, turned around to run back to the road, the, farm, the owner of the farm came home, and he was devastated to see the damage. And so I ran back up to the road, and then at that point, people were going to check the white truck to see if anyone mm-hmm. was in there. Uh, the police showed up, and the police actually, uh, you know, they did a search as well. That's when I believe they, they actually found some of the victims out wow. in the field. You know, for someone who does what you do, Aaron, I mean, you talk about the incredible highs and then the incredible lows within just a few minutes right there. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, like I, I said in my tweets, it was it went from mesmerizing to a to a deadly beast to back to mesmerizing as it roped out with a rainbow and, and then the storm just died within a couple miles of the farm and then it was all over and it was just a path of destruction. It's, I mean... I, I, like I said, I, I I grew up watching storm videos. I've always been interested in storms and the and what happens and and I've always I want to be that guy that's there to try and help and warn people. And I think that you know, it, tragically some lives were lost, but it was a busy highway and we got we helped ECC get the warnings out early. And I think you know yeah. we possibly could have saved some additional lives. So I mean, there's a little bit of a silver lining there, but not very much. 
All right, we're talking with uh, extreme weather storm chaser Aaron Jajak again. You can follow him at Twitter at Aaron Jajak on his YouTube channel, and you can check out that video that we've been talking about, uh, what happened, what they went through on Friday night when that tornado touched down near Verdon, Manitoba. Aaron, you know, how long have you been uh, doing this for? And, you know, where did this love for storms start? Yeah, so I've been uh, storm chasing, I mean, since I could uh, even ride a bike, I'd go right, try right <laughs> after storms down the road. I grew up in uh, northern Indiana, LaPorte, Indiana, right along Lake Michigan, and we used to get uh, really bad blizzards there, like, you know, we can get here in Canada, and so I would, uh, I would like, when we would get those blizzards, and sometimes we get, you know, I remember one where we got locked in the house for two weeks because of the storm. <laughs> Those were the most exciting times of my life growing up was when those storms would happen. I grew up in the country, and I liked being outside, and I liked outdoors. My family was into uh, fishing and hunting, and, and so the weather plays a large role in, the, in the, the fishing and hunting and whatnot. So I learned about weather that way, and then just grew fascinated with it uh, over the years. And then uh, in 1996, there was a movie called Twister that came out uh-huh. about for storm chasing, and I didn't even know storm chasing was a thing. And uh, changed my life forever, and I decided I wanted to go to school for meteorology. And uh, originally, went to school for meteorology at Purdue University, and I uh, ended up changing my degree because I wanted uh, something a little bit more broad. Uh, but I was always, uh, uh, I always storm chased, you know, all through the 2000s. Uh, and then uh, I would, you know, I had a full-time job. I used to be a video game developer, actually, uh, working for wow. Electronic Arts. Actually, Bioware. I used to work for Bioware, which is based out of Edmonton, but I worked yeah. in Austin, Texas, Bioware. Yeah, and uh, so I was doing that for a while, with chasing on the side, and I was uh, I loved that, but I was miserable being indoors, and I wanted to be out in the field chasing storms, <laughs> and I couldn't chase everything, and I wanted to chase everything, so I decided uh, I was going to do this full-time as a career, and uh, and I just started doing it at first. You know, I saved up money so I could uh, be able to fund myself to be able to chase, and you know, eventually I, I uh, started a relationship with my radar, uh, and, and they, you know, they were very happy with my my uh, photography and my reports and whatnot and it's been really great to you know be able to get out there and help uh, people get the warnings and you know at the same time the app is also provides warnings for people yeah. uh, and that's you know that's probably the most important thing for people to stay safe out there is to heed those warnings and pay attention and take them seriously and make sure they have a means to get that information what a fascinating um, trail you've taken to, to, to do this as a career. And I don't think that there's a lot of folks out there um, that even knew that you could have a career being a storm chaser. And, and that's just absolutely uh, amazing. If, if people are interested in it, um, I think that I've seen recently in Alberta, I mean, storm chasers, um, it's, it's a pretty tight community, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, there's only a few people that do it, and we all, you know, when you see, they're the familiar face you sometimes see when you've driven eight to twelve hours just to go intercept the storm, and so yeah, they become like family almost. So um, I've seen recently, I think, um, someone offering to take newbies out, you know, hey, if you wanted to come out for, a, you know, an evening and, and come with us and sit back and watch, they were, they, were, they were offering that. Aaron, what would you recommend if people are fascinated by this? You know, what, what should they do? How would they get involved with this? And what do they need to remember? Yeah, so I, I think uh, everybody should start with... Uh, 
you need to start with the science of weather and meteorology because the only reason I was able to get myself in front of that tornado in the path of it and then safely maneuver myself out of it as I crossed the road and then move back in, all that was just because I studied storms for so long. You know, first I started with reading about storms. Okay, here's how storms, you know, here's what happens in a thunderstorm. Here's how a thunderstorm can lead to a tornado. And then I uh, watched, you know, I used to watch lots of videos. I, I, you know, as a kid, I, like I said, I wanted to, I would watch these storm chaser videos and I decided like, that's what I want to do. I want to do that someday. I want to be that guy. And so I watched lots of videos and just, you know, kind of see how storms evolve and the evolution of a storm. And, and, and all of that, you know, that's very helpful. But not until you get out in the field and actually experience it and witness what you've seen in the books and what you've read online and see that unfold before you. That's not until you do that do you have that real epiphany to where you can truly understand how the atmosphere works and then go out there and watch any storm and know exactly what's happening. And so I would suggest that, you know, start off with reading information, learning as much as you can at home. And, those, and the tour groups are a good way to get an introduction to uh, storm chasing. You know, you're going with some professional or some experienced storm chasers that uh, have been doing it for a while. They can help, you know, help you get to the right spot to see, to get that epiphany. If you want to speed up the process, of course, you know, my, uh, the way I did it is I started off, you know, I just, I just did it all on my own. And I just, as I got, as I learned more and got more comfortable, I, I felt better moving closer to the storm. And it's just mm-hmm. been a slow progression of, not slow progression, but, you know, a progression of, of, uh, like anything, you know, learning and improving my skills yeah. and being better, trying to be better at what I do and be the best out there at it. And what I think is really important for people to know, too, is that you're just not out there videotaping this, uh, you know, to get money from whatever, however that, you know, how that works. You're out there getting information back to, for example, uh, you know, uh, my my radar weather app to send out information to keep people safe. That's a huge part of this, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. If you go watch my uh, my Twitter stream from that event, you'll see that the, that morning, or I think the day before, I started tweeting to hashtag MBStorm on Twitter. Like, yeah. hey, there's potential for severe weather. The ECCC has identified that the western part of Manitoba is at risk for severe weather. And that morning, I also, I believe I tweeted and said, hey, you know, this yeah. is going to happen. There's going to be severe weather possible, so stay aware. And then as the event actually began to unfold, you know, I... I think my first tweet was at 7.45. No, there was one a little bit before 7.45 with me standing in front of the supercell was way before it ever produced a tornado just to kind of give people a view, let, let, the, let the Twitterverse know. And like ECCC, they watch those uh, Twitter feeds. They watch that hashtag MBStorm or hashtag ABStorm for Alberta. And uh, get the warning out there that, or just get the the feelers out there like, hey, that I'm here, that you can watch my feed and get a view of what's happening on the storm. And then my very next tweet after that, 7.45 p.m., where I started to notice the rapid rotation and the rising, extreme rising motion in the storm. And at that point, when I knew myself, I'm like, okay, this is a tornadic storm. That's likely going to produce a tornado needs to be tornado warned. That tweet goes out at 7.45. The ECCC puts the tornado warning out at 7.49, four minutes after that tweet. And then I believe my very next tweet after that is me in the field with the tornado happening to get the word out, hey, we actually do have a tornado on the ground right now. People need to take this seriously because that image of the tornado, that's what really resonates with people uh, when they actually see that, right? So that's my very next tweet. And then my next tweet after that is maybe like, four or five hours later because at that point it was all about uh, the recovery and helping out and and you know another part is I didn't want to be I had 
drone video of the damage path immediately following the tornado. But I didn't want to put that stuff out because I knew that there were possible victims. And I don't want anybody to find anything out from my Twitter feed yeah. or whatnot. Uh, at that point, well, there was no reason for me to, to post anything. Well, and Aaron, what your tweet two days later, it was the birth of your baby boy. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very <laughs> much. Wow. Wow, wow. Um, I want to thank you for um, sharing this experience uh, with us this afternoon and and sharing some advice for those folks who are interested. Uh, Aaron, I'll be watching your Twitter channel and your your YouTube channel um, faithfully in the in the days and the months ahead. Thank you so much for this. You're welcome. Yeah, take care. That's Aaron J. Jack joining me this afternoon. Check him out on Twitter. Check him out on YouTube.